think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, we're here with another episode of Kidney Talk, and today I have a very special guest named Wendy Funk Schrag, and she works for Fresenius Medical Care, and you're a licensed medical social worker, is that correct? Right. She is also the Director of Advocacy for State and Government Affairs. So welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, Medigap insurance. Um, Can you explain what Medigap insurance is and why it's so important? Sure. Um, Medigap is really another name for Medicare supplement insurance. And a lot of times people refer to it as Medigap because what it does is it helps pick up the gaps of costs to patients that Medicare doesn't cover. Um, Medicare has two parts, um, Part A, which mainly covers hospital expenses, and Part B, which covers outpatient costs. And both of those parts have deductibles and some co-pays that Medicare doesn't cover. So a lot of times what people want to do is they want to purchase another second insurance to um, close up the gaps so that they don't have so much personal cost. So normally Medigap insurance would cover like about 20% of the cost normally? Right. For outpatient under Part B, Medicare covers 80% of the cost, and then the Medigap picks up 20%. Then there's also a small annual deductible. And with Part A, there's a deductible if you go into the hospital. Now, one of the things I've learned is that every state handles Medigap insurance differently. And so I live in the state of California, and I cannot get Medigap insurance if I needed it. Um, can you explain a little bit about why each state handles it differently? And why can't we just have one system that treats everybody the same way with pertaining to Medigap? Yeah, it would be it would be a lot easier if there was one system. What happened was when Congress passed federal law um, standardizing the Medigap policies, they didn't put into their law that every state would have to cover for people under age 65. Who are on disability or on dialysis? Right. For both? Both. both. They only included in their law um, that states had to offer these policies for people over 65. So in every state, if you're over 65, you should have access to policies. But um, not every state has taken the step to pass their own laws to implement coverage for people under 65. So does this primarily impact people who are on dialysis and people with disabilities? Exactly. So they just can't get access. So what happens to people who live in a state like California and they are you know, 40 years old or on dialysis and they can't get access to Medigap and they don't have private insurance? Right. What happens? And California itself is unique because California actually offers Medigap for disabled, but they exclude people with end-stage renal disease. Um, So what happens is if people spend down their assets, they end up on Medi-Cal or their state Medicaid program, um, or they're just forever stuck with 20% of the costs. Patients tell me that 
it's they put off going to the doctor um, because they know that if they don't have Medigap, they'll have, you know, 20% of an office visit that they'll have to pay. Uh, and so what happens is ultimately you have more people ending up on the state Medicaid program or more people in hospitals. I even talked to a patient, a dialysis patient in one state that doesn't offer Medigap. And he and his wife actually got divorced because then it put their income low enough that they could both get Medicaid. So what other states have Medigap? Can, do you have a list of them? And which ones don't have Medigap? Because I know there's a movement to be able to um, have every state offer Medigap insurance to people under 65 who have a disability or who are on dialysis. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, 29 states have um, passed laws or, or done it through a regulatory procedure with their state department of insurance to implement Medigap coverage. And what that means is that Um, If a state passes a law, then every insurer in that state who offers Medigap policies for over 65 also has to make at least some policies available for people who are under 65 as well. Um, So at this point, 29 states have passed that law. Prior to 1998, only 16 states have. So there's really been a lot of good good movement um, in the last 10 or 12 years, but there are still a lot of states that don't. Um, The ones that have most recently passed are Florida passed uh, a bill last year, uh, Colorado, Illinois, um, there are a number of them who have that have passed, um, and we could maybe post that on your website yes. with the list. We'll get that list because I think what's really unfortunate is it's causing people to spend down, and a lot of times they may think, well, it's better not to have anything, and the whole idea of being on dialysis and you want to improve your quality of life, and it just seems so counterproductive. One of the questions I have is, is it just strictly cost that the insurance companies don't want to offer this? Is that why they're fighting a mandatory thing for the whole U.S.? Yeah, I think so. You know, dialysis patients do have high high medical costs, um, and so it's difficult to... Um, you know, convince insurers to be able to offer that policy. What we have found, though, in some studies is that people who are disabled, who are under age 65, are generally less costly to insure than people who are over 65. And that's why it's so important for states to pass laws that enable not just people who are on dialysis to purchase these policies, but people who have all kinds of disabilities. Um, Because then there's a widespread, there's a wide variety of people purchasing these policies, and it makes it easier for the insurance companies to do. Well, now a couple of states uh, we're working on, it's uh, Arizona, Georgia, and Tennessee. So can you give us a little update on these states? Sure. Um, Arizona had a bill that did not make it out of committee this year. So that bill, unfortunately, will not be going anywhere. Um, Tennessee and Georgia both have bills that have passed the full Senate, and they are making their ways through House committees and hopefully will have final votes um, in the next week or two. So we're excited because it looks very promising that in Georgia and Tennessee, we will have uh, Medicap coverage. And then there's also a bill in South Carolina that has... um, passed a voice vote by the Senate, but needs to have some additional readings and also has to go through House committees. So it's still working its way through. 
Um, and there was one additional bill in Virginia that also did not make it out of committee. So it's not necessarily an easy process um, to get these passed, but it's very important that if states are working on these, that uh, people who are on dialysis, you know, contact their legislators. Um, we've had some dialysis patients who have testified in bill hearings about their situations, and that's very helpful. So maybe you can explain a little bit what it takes to have a bill introduced and what is the process. And because I think people listening may not know what it means, what was shot down in committee. Can you yeah. explain a little bit about that? Well, you know, it's really different in every state. Um, in Tennessee, for example, um, the legislator decided to uh, write the, a bill for Medigap after he was contacted by a person who lived in his district who said, look, I'm, I'm on Medicare, but I can't get secondary insurance. And out of that one person calling with a problem, um, he then works with his staff to draft a bill. We who were in dialysis heard about that and we wanted to support it. And so we've been asking our employees and people on dialysis to contact their legislators and just support it. So normally a bill has to be sent to a committee that studies it. And if it passes out of committee, then it will go to the House or the Senate for the full vote. And then the same thing has to happen on the other side. So it it's a long process sometimes. But on a state level, since the state legislatures are so short, you know, generally just three or four months, things happen quicker than on a federal level. Well, I know there was some interest to just have a federal bill uh, to just mandate all states have to offer Medigap insurance to all patients. Can you give us a little update on where it stands on the federal level? Yes, um, there have been several bills in the last few years. Um, unfortunately, they haven't gained enough traction and enough support to even be assigned to a committee or to start going through that process. Uh, we were also hoping that part of the national health care reform bill would have something in it that would allow Medigap coverage for people under 65. And our dialysis community advocated for that. But unfortunately, there, there's nothing in the health care reform bill that changes the federal law that was established years ago that says it only has to be offered for people over age 65. So right now, it's still a state-by-state -state basis. It seems to me like that's discrimination. It's like they offer it to people over 65, but not under 65. Yeah, I think I think you'd have a good case for that. I'd have a good case, yeah. Because it's, <laughs> you know, I, of course, have met a lot of people, and it's it's difficult. They do exactly what you have said they've done. They have to spend down. They have to give away their assets, anything that they have, so that they can qualify for state assistance. And it's really unfortunate because that's, you know, that's not good for anybody. So in closing, what do you think is some patients could do right now listening? I mean, they can get involved and we can, we'll answer a lot of questions, but uh, if they're dealing with this type of issue, I mean, I guess the thing is, is not to um, go get a divorce or do that, you know, go to your congressman and say, look, I don't want to do this, but I can't afford it. Exactly. You know, I mean, use Tennessee as an example. It only took one person there um, going to his state legislator and saying, I have a problem. And the legislator 
listened and was concerned and was proactive enough to go ahead and write the legislation. So um, one person can make a difference Mm -hmm. and everyone out there who has needs should be contacting their legislators asking for help. Well, and it's interesting because when I uh, met with my congressman, he worked really hard to try to get it introduced on the federal level. Because Mm -hmm. when you speak to an elected official about this and educate them about it, they don't really understand the issue until you walk in the door and explain it to them how it impacts you. Then they're like, wow, that's really unfair. We got to fix that. Right. And, you know, just from that little conversation, um, he did try. I guess he didn't get very far on the federal level. It's much more complicated to get things done on the federal level than state level. Mm -hmm. But uh, what's some of the next states that you're looking at, um, perhaps encouraging them to have Medigap insurance? Um, You know, there are a lot out there. I think Ohio would be great. Um, We have looked at some more of the southern states, Alabama, Arkansas. Uh, One of the things that's really important is to have the support of the state Department of Insurance because they work both with consumers trying to get insurance and they also work with the insurance carriers who are selling the products. And so for them to understand the issue and to also support it really helps us a lot on a state level. And so some of what we've started to do is just to do more outreach with the state departments of insurance to see if they are out there and they would be supportive of us. That's great. Well, um, I'm certainly going to be engaged again as we were this year in trying to help uh, states understand that this is really important to patients because it helps you have a little bit more freedom when you know that you have insurance. And it wouldn't surprise me that the insurance companies don't want to add this to the roles. So we just have to set them straight. Sounds great to me. Thanks, Wendy. (laughs) Thank you. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 